The old pilot's plain tales, defending the Baltic Express. The SR-71 was by far the most impressive but secret spy plane used during the Cold War. Defenceless, it relied on its unmatched performance to provide vital data for the USA and NATO on some of the most sensitive parts of the globe. One was a regular mission flown out of a base in the United Kingdom, RAF Mildenhall, east across the North and Baltic Seas towards the territories of the Soviet Union. These flights were known as the Baltic Express. The Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird was developed as a black project known as Oxcart. The Lockheed A-12 aircraft, codenamed Archangel, designed by Lockheed Skunk Works, was based on the designs of Kelly Johnson and built for the Central Intelligence Agency. The A-12 named that because it was the 12th in a series of design efforts was ahead of its time, the early 60s, in many ways. A large proportion of the airframe was constructed from titanium, the acquisition of which involved a great deal of subterfuge, since it was being purchased from the Soviets, the very place that the A-12 would be spying on. Although the SR-71 was based on the A-12, it was built for the United States Air Force and NASA. A bomber version was envisaged, but it was only ever used in the reconnaissance role. Both longer and heavier than the A-12 to accommodate additional sensors, cameras and a sideways-looking radar, it held more fuel and a second crew member. It came into service in 1968, and apart from its low-radar cross-section, inbuilt electronic countermeasures its only defence against missiles launched against it was to accelerate and outfly the threat. Although its design speed was Mach 3.2, pilot Brian Schul flew faster than usual to avoid multiple interception attempts. Afterwards, it was discovered that this had actually made the engine more efficient by reducing fuel consumption. It used a special cesium-based fuel to reduce the radar visibility of its exhaust fumes. And as of 2020, it still remains the fastest air-breathing manned aircraft ever built. The Blackbird was deployed to the United Kingdom in 1976, from which it flew two main routes. One was up the west coast of Norway and along the Soviet Kola Peninsula, which contained several large naval bases of the Soviet's northern fleet. The other route, across the North Sea, over Denmark, and around the Baltic Sea, which also contained many coastal military bases of interest, returning along the thin stretch of airspace between Uland and Gotland, both of which were part of Sweden, a neutral country. This was the Baltic Express. In 1949, Sweden chose not to join NATO and declared a policy of remaining non-aligned during peacetime and neutral in war. 
However, don't ever confuse Sweden's status as one that was brought about by pacifism. At the end of World War II, the Swedish Air Force had over 800 combat-ready aircraft, and it then underwent a rapid modernization program, choosing the best aircraft it could find from abroad. It equipped with the P-51D Mustang Fighter and the de Havilland Mosquito NF-19 Night Fighter before moving into the jet age with the de Havilland Vampire. The Swedish military soon realised that they needed even stronger defences to counter the threat presented by their near neighbour, the Soviet Union. And in the closing months of the war, the Saab team began working on two proposals for jet fighters. After getting their hands on some German research data, the winning design, codenamed the R-1001, was altered from a straight-wing layout to a 25-degree sweep. Belying its chubby looks, the Saab 29 first flew in 1948 and proved to be both fast and agile. Nicknamed the Tunnen, the Barrel, it set a world record speed of 607 miles an hour on a closed circuit, and by 1956, 661 J-29s had been built. Later versions were fitted with reheated engines and sidewinder missiles, and although they were retired from operational service in 1965, they continued to fly in other roles until 1970. Throughout the Cold War, Sweden went on to equip its air force with modern and very capable aircraft until it became the fourth largest in the world. It possessed over 4,000 aircraft, out of which no less than 3,574 were armed fighters, with many hundred more in the bomber role. During the period of the Cold War, they produced two of the most beautiful and recognisable fighters in the world, the Saab Draken and the Viggen. The Draken, best known for its amazing double-swept Delta platform, claimed many firsts. It was the first Western European-built combat aircraft with a true supersonic capability to enter service, and also the first to be deployed. It was, although this is slightly less clear, the first double-delta winged combat design to have been drawn up in the early 1950s. It was also the first aircraft known to have performed the Cobra manoeuvre, and the first West European-produced aircraft to exceed Mach 2 in level flight. The role of the Draken was that of an all-weather interceptor, although its design made it more than capable of dogfighting. Originally planned to reach around Mach 1.5, by 1956 that was revised to Mach 1.8, and by 1959 it was fully capable of reaching Mach 2. The Draken was given the capability of working out of semi-prepared strips like public roads, carrying all the equipment needed to shoot down modern jet bombers. It could also be rearmed and refueled by minimally trained conscripts in less than 10 minutes. 
This Mach 2 fighter, with a ceiling of 66,000 feet, was, with its splendid body, for anti-fire-controlled radar, sidewinders and 30mm Aden cannons, a formidable foe, and it could also carry the RB-27 missile. This remarkable weapon, built by Hughes and known in the United States as the AIM-26 Falcon, was a semi-active radar-guided missile carrying the W-54 nuclear warhead. As impressive as the Draken was, it was superseded by the equally striking Mach 2 Plus capable Saab 37 Vigan. The Vigan also had a few firsts, being the first canard designed fighter to be built in any quantity, and by many it was considered the most advanced European built fighter jet until the arrival of the Panavia Tornado. Designed in the late 50s, the Vigan incorporated a weapon system which was integrated into the country's National Electronic Air Defence System. It became the standard platform for all roles, air defence, reconnaissance, maritime patrol and ground attack, making it a true strike fighter. It had a sophisticated head-up display and initially iron instruments, but later versions would be fitted with three multi-purpose CRT displays had a full suite of sensors, including a monopulse radar with air-to-air, air-to-ground and terrain avoidance modes, as well as a look-down, shoot-down capability for the British Skyflash missiles it carried. Like the Draken, the Vigan was toughened to withstand operations from remote strips, and it was simple to maintain, rearm and refuel, and with seven underwing hardpoints, it could carry a variety of weapons for its mix of roles. In addition to its internal Erlikon 30mm cannon, it could be loaded with Skyflash, AIM-120 AMRAMs, Sidewinders, rocket pods, anti-ship missiles, anti-surface missiles, including the AGM-65 Maverick, fragmentation bombs, explosive mines, the list is impressive and long. Saab built 329 of this incredible aircraft, and it remained in service until 2007. The Swedish air defence system was well aware of the Baltic Express missions that the SR-71s would fly, since at their peak they were occurring almost weekly. Although the United States Air Force aircraft remained out of Swedish airspace, the Vigan pilots would actually practice intercepts on them, and it was great practice for the integrated air defence system that existed in Sweden. There was little chance of getting in behind the Blackbirds, but they could be engaged head-on. However, it took very careful planning. The Air Operations Centre would give the pilot warning to accelerate to exactly the right height and speed and when to initiate a pull-up to acquire radar contact. The pilot had only one chance and then, with a closing speed of around Mach 5, it would be too late. On some occasions, the Vigan radar would be countered by the Blackbird's electronic defence systems, but the Swedes learned to avoid triggering those defences. 
It was an extremely impressive spectacle to watch on radar from the ground. The intercept window was incredibly tight, and all the SR-71 pilot really needed to do was manoeuvre just slightly, and the intercept solution would change and the practice attack fail. One of the main problems facing the Bigham pilots was that one of the rules in their orders for safe flights stipulated that flights above 52,000 feet were prohibited without the use of full pressure suits, and those weren't available, so their pilots needed to be careful or they would be grounded by their divisional commanders. So it wasn't a complete surprise on the 29th of June 1987 when Viggen fighter pilots Roger Miller and Krista Huerberry were directed away from their training mission to intercept an intruder near their airspace. One of the pilots said that his fighter controller asked him if he was able to make an interception and identification of a certain interest. He immediately thought it must be an SR-71, otherwise he wouldn't have mentioned it. The Blackbird had been flying a Baltic Express mission, gathering imagery of key Soviet bases around the Baltic Sea at a heightened speed that only this remarkable spy plane could reach, when the crew, Lieutenant Colonels Duane Knoll and Tom Veltry, suffered a massive failure of one of their Pratt & Whitney J58-1 engines. At high supersonic speeds, usually between Mach 2 and 3, Intakes with internal compression are designed to have supersonic flow downstream of the air intake. If the mass flow across the intake does not match the downstream mass flow at the engine, the intake will unstart, changing the nature of the shock waves which can cause violent temporary loss of control until the intake is restarted. The extreme yawing and rolling forces of asymmetric power at Mach 3 could be so destabilizing to the aircraft that a built-in system would immediately unstart the intake of the other engine. The engine explosion had shut off the aircraft's generators, causing the cabin to lose pressure and triggering the full inflation of both pilots' pressure suits, making it hard to move around and keep the aircraft under control. They took the Blackbird down, descending 10 miles in height to around 25,000 feet. But the emergency wasn't the only reason that they were in a dire situation. In the past, the Soviet authorities had intercepted and shot down U.S. aircraft engaged in intelligence gathering, and they had specifically stationed MiG-25 Foxbats from the 787th Fighter Aviation Regiment at Finau Eberwald in the German Democratic Republic for the sole purpose of attempting to intercept the Baltic Express missions. As the crippled Blackbird slowed and descended, it would be easy prey for the Foxbats. Noll and Veltry knew that they were in serious trouble, and they decided to head towards the Baltic island of Gotland, Swedish territory, where they might land or eject. They knew that they were going to get better treatment from the Swedes than the Soviets. They also switched on their transponder, putting out an emergency squawk, 
making the stealthy aircraft easy to see on radar. Voltry considered it the best thing he did that day. Come on, he thought, who are we fooling at this point? And he hoped that the cavalry would come before the bad guys. About forty miles east of Ureland's southern oceans, the American crew saw two dots approaching from the east, and they decided that if they saw a missile coming off the rails of the pursuing jets, they would point the nose down and eject. But as the dots got closer, they realized these weren't Soviet jets, but the distinctive plan form of Vigan fighters. In the Vigan cockpits, the pilots watched the blackbird emerge from a misty sky, and they could see that they were in distress, flying low and slow. It was obvious that the aircraft was on only one engine, and then things got really dicey. A Russian MiG-25 Foxbat pulled alongside the Vigans. Valtry learned later that the National Security Agency had concluded the Russian plane was under orders to force them to land or shoot them down, but the presence of the Swedish fighters deterred the MiG, and after a few minutes it peeled off and departed the area. However, the NSA later informed them that at least 20 Soviet aircraft were launched as they continued their journey past Lithuania, Poland and East Germany. As the first two Vigans ran short of fuel, they were replaced by another pair from their quick reaction alert flight, which continued to ensure the American aircraft's safety. They stayed with the Blackbird until they were relieved by American F-15s from West Germany, who kept them safe until the aircraft could land at Nordholz Air Base in Denmark, where it made a safe recovery. Such was the secrecy surrounding these missions that details were only revealed recently when, at a ceremony held in Stockholm, all four Swedish pilots, now retired, were presented with United States Air Medals, awarded for single acts of heroism or meritorious achievement while participating in aerial flight. The American pilot, Lieutenant Colonel Knowles, said of the incident, Your obvious skills and judgment were definitely demonstrated on that faithful day many years ago. I want to thank you for your actions on that day. We will never know what would or could have happened, but because of you, there was no international incident. The U.S. Air Force did not lose an irreplaceable aircraft, and two crew members' lives were saved. Lieutenant Colonel Veltri and I can't thank you sufficiently for what you prevented. Thank you for being highly skilled and dedicated patriotic fellow aviators. A fitting tribute to the pilots of the Swedish Air Force. Plane Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy Show podcast. You can find out all about it at airlinepilotguy.com. And if you enjoy listening to Plane Tales as a standalone podcast, then it would be great if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice.
Many thanks for listening.